0: When the angels were announcing to the world the birth of the Savior, they didn't go to the elite, the kings or the high priest. It was to lowly shepherds they sang their song of praise and hope. The angel of God visited the shepherds, who were considered the lowest of the low in Jewish society because of their inability to be ceremonially clean. What a shock! These shepherds knew they were poor in spirit. They knew that they failed all the spirituality tests. They probably thought there was no use even trying. As for holiness and spirituality, they were utterly lost. But God is signaling to all of humanity that His salvation is for all people, especially for the poor. It is to the poor that God calls us to focus the good news. Good morning, everyone. So good to have you here today on this freezing cold Sunday morning, but it's sunny out, and you can't have it all, right? So we'll be thankful for what we've got, amen? So this morning, we're continuing on in our Wenceslas' legacy. Straight with me, Wenceslas' legacy. And what was his legacy? Here's a, a Christian man. Uh, Who was rich by the world's standards, but understood the necessity of being poor, poor in spirit, and understood the necessity of being, being kind to the poor. And so we sing that Christmas carol, Good King Wenceslas looked out. That last verse, it says, Therefore, Christian men, be sure. And I think in, this was written in the mid-1800s, so for the year 2016, therefore, Christian men and women, be sure wealth or rank possessing, that is, when we talk about rank, we're talking about your position in society, ye who now will bless the poor shall yourselves find blessing. So we recognize and understand, according to Scripture, according to what we believe as Christians, that God blesses the poor And that God also blesses those who bless the poor. And uh, I'm going to tell you this, folks. I want God's blessing throughout all of my life. Would anybody say amen to that? Yes, we want God's blessing. By the way, welcome to Poppy's mom. All the way from Africa. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome. So glad to have you here today. So we are a church that loves to bless the poor and in case you are wondering this morning, where do I fall? Do I fall in the rich category or do I fall in the poor category? I want you to know anybody who lives in Canada is in the rich category. If you've been to uh, some of the poor nations on the, on the planet and you see how some people live, then understand this. The poorest people in Canada are considered rich by, by world standards. Now. I want you to know that for us, caring for the poor is our family uh, value. It's how we try to live our lives. That's why Nicholas, our son, our middle son, is over in, in Israel right now. Uh, here he is. He's, you see him there on the right-hand side? Uh, he's lost a lot of weight because he hasn't got mom cooking for him, and he can't raid our pantry. He's always eating granola bars, thinking that was healthy for him. Now he can't eat any granola bars, and he's lost tons of weight. But here he is in Bethlehem. This is where he was last Sunday while we were in church. He was in Bethlehem. And you'll notice in the background in Bethlehem in Israel is uh, a nativity scene, which you rarely see nowadays here in, in, in Winnipeg. It's, uh, it seems like it's, it's, it's not a politically correct thing to do. But how interesting that in, in Bethlehem we see that. Um, one of the stops along, his, along the way in his journeys was the Church of the Nativity. Before we go to the Church of the Nativity, this is sort of... I was looking for a, an image that I identified with, uh, because as, as a child growing up and singing the Christmas carols, you know, uh, Silent Night, Holy Night, and uh, A Little Town of... Bethlehem. This is kind of the image that came to my mind. Now, I know that there is no place on earth that looks just like this. This is, this is an artist rendition that sort of showcases the Holy Family and then the Magi on the left hand side and the shepherds on the right and all the people. I don't know who those other people are, but we've got the Magi and we've got the shepherds and they've all come to worship Jesus. That's the image or the picture that most of us have in our minds. But this is, in fact, the reality. Um, uh, this this actually is Bethlehem, and this is the Church of the Nativity. This was built by Emperor Constantine's mother, Helen, and uh, this is supposed to be the place that enshrines the birthplace of Jesus Christ. And uh, you know we don't know for sure if that's the case, but I'm going to say that if you if you do any research on this, uh, there's a good chance that this really is in fact the place where Jesus was born. Now let's not none of us panic this morning about whether it is or isn't because we do know that Jesus was born uh, where he was born exactly we don't know but this was this was a shrine that was was preserved in a most unusual way emperor hadrian when he came through this part of israel he tried to destroy all the jewish and christian religious sites and so this particular site he turned it into a uh a shrine to the Greek god Adonis. Some of you may have heard of him. He's a youthful, uh, strong, virile, uh, handsome, uh, muscular god, and and that lasted for a short time. Now, in in trying to usurp the place of Jesus, actually, what happened is Hadrian preserved this site so that when when Constantine declared that Christianity would be the religion of the empire, the Roman and then the Byzantine Empire, actually what happened then is that this then reverted back to, Christian, to a Christian site, and people have gone there for literally hundreds and hundreds of years, almost 2,000 years, to go and worship Jesus Christ, worship at the place where he was born. Now, They say that when the Persians Persians invaded Israel, and I'll tell you, Israel has been invaded by just about everybody. When the Persians, and that's that would be modern-day Iran, when they came here to invade, the story goes that they found a picture in the old church, in the old Byzantine church, of. The Magi, or the wise men, who were coming to, to worship and to visit Jesus. Now, the Persians, they destroyed so many of the religious sites, but when they saw this picture of their own people, because they recognized the Persian dress, they recognized instantly that these, uh, these, this place was holy because they acknowledged the people that built the church, the people that worship there, acknowledged that these Persians would come to worship Christ. They decided that they were going to preserve this, this particular site. So today, this is one of the uh, oldest existing church buildings in the world, and uh, some, some would, would say that it goes back to 100 AD. Not this particular structure, but the site itself. And so when you get there, you'll notice on the left-hand side, on the bottom corner there, there's a tiny little little hole there. That is actually the door going into the church. They call it the door of humiliation because it's only four feet high. And you have to bend down, you have to genuflect in order to enter into the, the church where uh, the shrine of Christ's birth is located. And what you do is you go down into a little grotto. The walls are lined with tapestries. And then when you get in there, here's what you see. You see this, this little spot here. And uh, they, th- this is apparently the spot where Jesus was born. Well, of course, we don't know that for sure. But the interesting thing is this, folks, is that we still recognize and still acknowledge that, that Jesus Christ was, in fact, born. And people come and celebrate this fact year after year, decade after decade, century after century, and even millennia after millennia. We see holy pictures on the walls, and we see surrounding that spot the candles and the censers for, for incense. It's a very, very special place. Now, here's the thing that struck me. So here we've got Hadrian coming along. He tries to destroy this spot, tries to, tries to destroy the witness and the testimony of the Christian faith. Here's what you and I need to understand. And Satan will do everything in his power to destroy our, our our witness. He'll try to destroy the church. He tries to destroy the fact that, that, that the church is doing great things in the world. We see today Christians being beheaded in the Middle East. I don't know if any of you have been watching what's been happening in Aleppo, uh, but uh, throughout the Middle East and around the world, there's been unprecedented persecution of believers. But here's what you need to know is that As much as Satan tries to destroy the church, Jesus says that the gates of hell will not overwhelm the church. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So before we go any further, I just want to remind everybody today that we serve a living Savior who is is all-powerful, almighty, and Satan can do what he wants to destroy us, to destroy our testimony, destroy our message, but the Bible says that Satan and hell will never prevail. The church of Jesus Christ marches on triumphant. Amen? That's what Christmas is about. We say hallelujah for that. Now, this morning, we want to talk about the shepherds. Two weeks ago, we talked about the Virgin Mary. Last week, we talked about the Magi, or sometimes called the wise men, sometimes called you know, the three kings. Some of you know that Christmas carol, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Well, today we're going to talk about the shepherds. And you recognize that these characters or these people are all people associated with the Christmas story. Well, the shepherds have something very special to show us and something very important to teach us. And so I want to read to you from a passage of Scripture, and it's Luke chapter 2. Uh, verses 8 to 20. By the way, is anybody hot here? In the first service, it was 56 degrees. We had Ice Age come, <laughs> that's the name of the company, Ice Age, came and they fixed the, the thing. Now it's too hot in here, so I don't know if anybody can, is, anybody, is everybody just right? Okay, if you're, if you're too cold, just say something and we'll open a window. So we're looking at uh, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. Now listen to this. The reason Jesus is born in Bethlehem, the city of David, is because Jesus is a descendant of King David. And the Bible is clear that Jesus will reign uh, in the line of David. So it's a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. You need to know that. It, Jesus is not born in Bethlehem by accident, folks. This is by, on purpose, because Jesus is in the line of the kings of David. And that's just in verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. I like that. Simple, no discussion. Let's just get on with it. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And then the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God, For all that they had heard and seen, it was just as the angel had told them. When the angels were uh, announcing to the world the birth of the Savior, they didn't go to the elite of the land. If I was on the PR committee, I would recommend to God, if you're going to be announcing the birth of Jesus, then you need to go to the powerful people of the land. I would have gone to the kings, I would have announced it to the kings, I would have announced it to the high priests, Uh, I would have announced it to, maybe to the Pharisees, uh, anybody who was in a position of power and influence. That's what I would have done. But you see, God operates in in a different way. God is not like us. Who does God bring this great announcement to? He brings it to none other than the angels, or to the shepherds themselves, through the angels. Now I want you to see something. In verse 9, it says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. I want you to see something here, folks. When it talks about the glory of the Lord surrounding them, this is not just a fancy way of saying uh, uh, it was a, a wonderful spiritual experience. There's something that is being communicated. A few weeks ago, you'll remember we talked about the Garden of Eden and how we see Eden manifested in different ways. And you'll remember that picture I had up of the tabernacle that was in the wilderness. And above the tabernacle was this this pillar of fire, a column of fire. That was was what we call the Shekinah glory or the glory of God. And so when, when, when we read in the scriptures that, that the glory of the Lord uh, appeared to the shepherds, what's happening, folks, is that the, the very glory, the very presence, the very Shekinah glory of God is now in the presence of these shepherds, these lowly, dirty, smelly shepherds. You say, Pastor John, you're sure picking on the shepherds. Well, I'll tell you why in a moment. These, these men were the lowest of the lowest in, in their culture, in their society. And the Bible says in verse 9 that they were terrified in the presence of God. Now we see the Shekinah glory in different places throughout the Old Testament. Remember when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and he gets the law of God? And it says that, that, that Moses did not see God's face, but he saw God's glory. And that when Moses came down from the mountain... Mount Sinai, his face was literally glowing, and it terrified all the people who saw him. They couldn't look at Moses. In fact, Moses had to put a veil over his face because he was so full of the glory and the presence of God. Well, this is exactly what's happening here. The Shekinah glory that Moses experienced on Mount Sinai, at the giving of the Ten Commandments, is what the shepherds now are experiencing, and they were terrified. It's like God, what are you doing in our presence? We're we're not worthy of this. And so here's this angel of the Lord appearing appearing to these lowly shepherds. So two things I want you to see. I want you to see that that these angels that these shepherds experienced the glory of God. The second thing I want you to see is that they experienced a visitation from an angel. Now there hadn't been An angelic visitation for over 500 years. The last time the Bible speaks of a a visit from an angel is actually when Daniel had a visit from Gabriel, the angel Gabriel. And remember that angel Gabriel told Daniel, which we went over last week, told Daniel exactly when the Messiah would come. Remember, uh, Gabriel said to Daniel, when the decree is given to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, start from that time and begin to count off the 70 times seven years. And that's when the Messiah will come. And by the way, folks, when, if we do that from the day, the actual date of the, the building, the, when the decree was given to rebuild the temple, we, when, we, when we calculate it, we find out that the Messiah comes exactly according to the prophecy given to Daniel through the angel Gabriel. 500 years later, the baby Jesus is born. Now, remember, this angel has visited Mary. and said, you're going to have a baby. The angel has visited Joseph and said, go ahead. Don't be afraid to marry, uh, to marry Mary. Uh, the angel has visited Zechariah. Zechariah was Mary's uncle. And remember, Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, they had a child. And that little boy's name was John the Baptist. You know the story. And, and John the Baptist was the one that would prepare the way of the Lord, if you, if you remember your scripture. And now, fourthly, these angel, the angel Gabriel is visiting these shepherds. And the, Bible, the way the Bible describes it is that Gabriel actually appeared amongst them. So, so just to imagine for a moment, these shepherds are you know, tucking their sheep into bed. I mean, I, I'm not a shepherd, I, but imagine they, they got him into the sheepfold, they closed the gates... You know, they just did a quick look around, make sure everything's okay, and then suddenly, whoa, who's this? This is not one of the shepherds. Who are you, sir? And they recognize instantly that this guy was an angel. This was the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel is saying, something very special is gonna happen. And then the angel angel army begins to sing the song, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, how could they say that to shepherds? Did you know that the shepherds were were so considered so lowly? They were not allowed to testify in court for two reasons. Uh, they were not recognized as as good citizens. They were recognized to be people who would be thieves. They were not to be trusted. And secondly, they were considered to be uh, lacking in intelligence and ability. They're a very low, low opinion of these shepherds. And I think the reason that this was so is because the shepherds uh, were considered ceremonially unclean. When people came to worship God, the Bible gives very clear instructions about how you need to be clean in order to come to the temple and to worship God. And these these shepherds, quite frankly, could never get it together so that they could be clean enough to come and worship God. So they basically couldn't come to God. They were left out. They were excluded from worship. It know be like us having people standing at the door and looking you over and say, well, no, you smell, you can't come in. <laughs> or you're not dressed well enough, or I don't think you're, you look rich enough, so you can't come into the house of God. God is, is signaling something to humanity. God is saying there's good news for all people, and particularly for poor people. Christianity is a faith for the poor. And I'm going to demonstrate that to you more in just a moment. But I want you to stop and think about that. It's not just to poor people, but it's to the spiritually poor. The people who have come to the place in their life where they recognize that they have come to the end of their rope that they are broken, that they are in desperate need of a miracle, that, that their lives are not what they need to be. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you recognize today just how short you fall of the mark. You know that your life is not pleasing to God right now and you think, well, there's no use even trying. I'm sure that that's how the shepherds felt. There's no point even trying to please God. We'll never be able to please God. I mean, we come near the temple and all the priests, and they just look down on us like we're scum. I mean, could you imagine coming to church and your pastor looks at you and says, scumbag, what are you doing here? Do you know there's a lot of people that are afraid to come to church for that very reason? They're afraid to come through the doors of our church and, and any church because they don't know how they're going to be received. In fact, they think they won't be received. God is sending a message to all humanity that he loves us. And no matter how sinful you are, no matter how weak you are, no matter what you've done or where you've come from, no matter how short you've fallen of God's high standard, God loves you and has a message of hope for you. These angels were appearing to the lowliest of the lowest people in society and here's their message the angel reassured them don't be afraid i bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people the savior yes the messiah the lord has been born today in bethlehem the city of david now let's just stop for a moment and reflect on that passage of scripture the th- the first words out of the mouth of the angel is don't be afraid don't be afraid some of you sitting here today, you could say that that really sums up your life right now. You're afraid because of your health. You're afraid because of your job, your job situation. You're afraid because of your finances. You got family problems. You got marriage problems. You've got health problems. In fact, you're just afraid to face every day because it's gotten so bad. You've got, you've got, maybe some emotional and mental problems, you're, 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 you're troubled by something. And here's what the angel of God would say to all of us this morning, don't be afraid. And the reason that you don't need to be afraid is not just because the angel's here to give us a pep talk, not just try to rally us out and, 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 and to buck us up a little bit here. Cheer up, be positive, think positive, speak positive. There's a reason why the angel says, don't be afraid. And here it is, folks, is because we have a Savior. And for some of us, when we think of Jesus the Savior, we think of Jesus the Savior as a one-time event. Jesus, save me from my sin. I know I'm going to heaven. And you know that's the end of that. Well, here's what you need to understand. If you don't get this, then frankly, you don't get the Christian message. You don't understand our faith. Jesus is a savior, not just for one time when you gave your heart to Christ. Jesus is a savior for every day, every moment. To help you through whatever it is that you're going through. With your health, your marriage, your family, your children, your business your emotional situation, your health situation. He is your savior, and he wants to help you. He wants to save you. He wants to walk with you through whatever it is that you're struggling with today. This is our savior. This is what, it, this is what the Christian uh, Christmas message is all about. We have a savior, and I've, you've heard me say this before, If God thought we needed a good education, he would have sent to us an educator. If God thought we needed help with our finances, he would have sent us a financial advisor. If God thought we needed a doctor, he would have sent us a doctor, but he sent us a savior because we need to be saved. We need saving, and this is a tough, tough world we live in. In fact, I've said this many times, life is a battle. From the day you're born to the day you die, life is a battle. But the good news is, folks, you don't have to go through this life alone. You can go through this life with the Savior who loves you and cares about you. And for this reason, the angel says, don't be afraid. If you're today afraid, God is speaking to you. How am I going to solve my situation? How am I going to solve my problems? How am I going to save my How am I going to save my marriage? How am I going to save my kids? How am I going to save my job? And God says, "Don't be afraid. You have a savior." That's what Christmas is about. So what do we learn from these shepherds? Well, we learn that these shepherds uh, knew that they were poor in spirit. They definitely knew that they, of all people, didn't deserve to be visited by the presence, by the Shekinah glory of God. And they knew that they certainly didn't deserve to be visited by an angel. I mean, a visitation from an angel, well, that's for the prophets and for the high priests and for the important people, not for us. And here's what you need to know today. God visits people who are broken, for people who are hungry for him, people who know that they are not measuring up. You are the one that God loves and cares for, and you are the one that God wants to minister to. The rich and the powerful, they forget that they need Jesus. And it's so easy for us in this country to forget how much we need Jesus. But Jesus, when he was walking this earth, he made it very clear very clear that he loves the poorest of the poor. And not just those who are poor financially, but those who are poor spiritually, those who are bankrupt spiritually, those who, those who just can't get it together, those who have messed up, those who are, who are suffering with addictions. It's to you that Jesus has come. And so Jesus was walking this earth and doing his ministry. He stands up in the temple or actually in the in the synagogue, and, and uh, he announces what he's come to do, and he quotes directly from Isaiah 61, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do what? To preach the good news. To release the prisoner. To give sight to the blind. To bring good news to the poor. That's, that's what Jesus has come to do. And today, if you understand that you are poor in spirit, that you are in need of Jesus Christ, well, then God's here today to minister to you. Who did Jesus minister to? It's quite interesting. When you watch him, he's, he stays away from the Pharisees. In fact, if anything, the Pharisees are the rich. They are the elite, and Jesus calls them a brood of vipers, of snakes. He doesn't go to the kings. He's not hobnobbing with, with Pilate. The governor from Rome, he's not hobnobbing with with King Herod. No, he's hanging out with the poor people. And he sees some lepers, some very sick people. Nobody hung out with lepers. When when a person had leprosy, they, they were forced to disengage from culture and society, and they were to go and live in a leper colony. And it's to these people that Jesus goes. It blows your mind. Nobody wanted anything to do with a leper for fear that they would be infected. Jesus hangs out with prostitutes. Really, Jesus? Yep. Because they're the poorest of the poor. Oh, they may be making lots of money, but spiritually they're broken and poor and they've got nothing. And if anybody understands that they need a savior, it's these prostitutes. And Jesus, why don't you go hang out with with the teachers of the law, these educated men, these men who know the law and you can recite it verbatim, word for word, book by book. Jesus is not interested in hanging out with the teachers of the law, the wise, the brilliant, the educated. No, he goes and says, I'm gonna hang out with some fishermen who've got no education and probably can't read. They're the ones that I want to have as my disciples. And then it gets worse, or it gets better, depending on your perspective. Jesus looks at the tax collectors and says, you know what, I think I'm gonna go and hang out with them. Now the Pharisees are absolutely livid. How dare you? By the way, the Pharisees are the religious uh, leaders of the day, uh, religious and leaders. And Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors. Now these tax collectors, these are traitors. Because they have sided with the occupying force of Rome, and they are collecting taxes for Rome. And not only are they collecting taxes for Rome, but they're collecting a little bit of extra for their own pockets. And people hated the tax collector. And Jesus says, yeah, these are the ones I'm going to hang out with. In fact, one of them was one of his disciples, one of the 12. So here's Jesus hanging out with the poorest of the poor, the sick, the lepers, the prostitutes, fishermen. Talking to women, by the way, that's another one. Oh man, a, a man didn't never talk to a woman. A woman was second class. But to Jesus, there's no woman who's second class. Ladies, would you say amen to that? Yeah. Jesus exalts women. The Pharisees looked at all these people that Jesus was ministering to and he called, they just, they had one, one word for all these sick leopard prostitute fishermen tax collectors, and it was the word sinners. These are the people that Jesus was born to care for. That's why Jesus came to this earth. He came for you. But if you're sitting here today and you think, well, I don't fit into any of those categories. I'm a pretty decent, upstanding guy. Be very careful. Because here's what Jesus says. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. The kingdom of God does not belong to the rich. It belongs to the poor. It belongs to the people who recognize how much they need Jesus. That, my friends, is why the angels came and gave the great announcement of all people to the shepherds. Because they understood how very poor and needy they are. Are you poor today? I know everybody here today is rich. I mean, if you live in Canada, you're rich. So let's put that behind us. But let me ask you this. Are you poor? Are you poor spiritually? In other words, do you understand how much you need Jesus in your life? My prayer for you this Christmas is that you will take a step back and recognize where you're at spiritually, that you'd recognize your need. Want to know something? A few weeks ago, Chris gave me this picture, and you've seen it for the last two weeks. And this was at a camp that Chris and I think uh, um, Aaron and Jared and I think Nick and Christy were at that one as well, and Dennis, and they, they did this wonderful camp for these kids. And here's a, a young child worshiping God, and you've heard me say this before, but Burundi is considered the poorest nation on the planet and are one of the poorest, if not the first, the second poorest. But here's, here are these children worshiping God and look at this and recognizing that with God, they have everything they need. And here we are in the West with so much and we don't recognize how very blessed we are. There's something very wrong with this picture. It's for this reason that James tells us in his epistle. Let the rich say, I am poor, and let the poor say, I am rich. In the Christian economy, understand that those who are poor can have a rich and vibrant relationship with God where you experience the power of God at work in your life, not just at Christmas time, and not just on Sunday, but every day, moment by moment by moment. This is, my friends, what it means to be a Christian. That Jesus is at work in your life, day by day, moment by moment. Have you uh, forgotten about God, or are you so rich that you don't need him. There's two things that we need to learn from these shepherds. And the first thing that we need to understand is that we need to be like them, that is poor in spirit. When they heard that the Messiah was born, the first thing they said, as you heard, let's go to Bethlehem, let's not delay. I wanna tell you, folks, you don't have to wait till Christmas time to come to church. You don't have to wait till Christmas to experience the savior. You can run to Jesus every single day. In fact, that is what God wants you to do. Run to him with with your need, with your poverty, with your spiritual poverty. Come to God and say, God, I'm a mess. I need your saving. I need your help. He's a savior. He knows you need saving. He knows you need help. What are you waiting for? You got problems? Run to the Savior. Be like the shepherds. Don't delay. Run. They knew they needed the Savior. The shepherds, when they got that revelation, they believed it. This morning, I'm telling you that you've got a Savior that wants to help you wants to help you through whatever it is that you're going through. What are you going through today? I know everybody here is going through something. I know everybody here today has got something that that nags at the back of your mind. I know that. That's why you need a savior. And The shepherds. I know God knew he could trust the shepherds. He knew that if there's anybody that's gonna respond to the good news, it's gonna be the shepherds because they knew how poor they were. And so this morning... The angels, the Bible says, are encamped around this very sanctuary. You maybe don't see them, but they're here because they love to hear the gospel message. That's what we read in Hebrews. They love to incline their ear to listen to the gospel, to the good news. They love to hear Jesus Christ proclaimed. They love to hear the message about the Savior. Do you love to hear the message? And will you respond to him? Will you say, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for forgetting you, especially at this time of the year. Well, these shepherds, they got the revelation, they believed it, and they ran to Bethlehem. They ran to that place. And after they'd been there to see the baby, and they went and told everybody, they were the first evangelists, the first witnesses, if there's such a word, In verse 18, this is a very astonishing verse to me. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Let me say it again. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And that's it. When the shepherds heard the message from the angels, what did they do? They ran to Jesus. These people who heard the shepherd story, they were simply astonished, and that was it. They didn't do anything. They didn't respond, they didn't run to Jesus, they didn't run to see the Messiah. They just thought, wow, that's a cool story. I wanna tell you, this, folks, is a verse that reflects people here in North America. We hear the gospel, we hear the truth, the pastor sweats it up trying to preach the gospel, and we think, isn't that nice, he's really excited today And we walk away, no response. All these people have heard the gospel message that the Messiah, the promised Messiah, the one that Israel had been hoping for and looking for for hundreds of years has finally come and they were only astonished. Can I say this to you today? Being astonished is not good enough. Having a heart full of wonder is not good enough. Clapping your hands, applauding the story, it's not good enough. You need to do what the shepherds did. They ran to Jesus. When's the last time you talked to Jesus about your situation, about your problems, your struggles? See, some people think that they're really spiritual when they don't go to God with their problems. I've heard people say that. I never pray for myself. Well, that's just stupid. Because Jesus himself says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. The whole Christian faith, my friends, is all about you and I interacting with our savior, where we come to him on a daily basis with all of our needs, our prayers, our petitions, our problems, our heartaches our struggles, our temptations, our shortcomings. And God says, I want you to come to me. Pour out your heart to me. Have you failed? Have you sinned? Have you fallen short? Have you messed things up? Have you, have you really, really hurt yourself and hurt the people in your life? Come to me. Let me save you. Let me help you. That's what the shepherds did. I said there were two things that we learn from the shepherds. We learn to be poor in spirit, just like them. Run to the Savior. The second thing we do is we learn how important it is to give. Now, shepherd, The Magi, they were rich. They had gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then we go to the other end of the spectrum to the shepherds who've got nothing. And what did they give? They gave themselves. Let the spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because even as I say that, that sense chills down my spine. They came to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we're giving you ourselves. You say, pastor, how did they do that? I'll tell you what they did. They came and they worshiped. They came to Jesus and they worshiped. They gave their time. They gave themselves. Here's what God wants you to do today is he wants you to follow the example of these shepherds. Run to Jesus, poor in spirit, and say, God, I need you. Because when you express your need for God, you glorify him. Because that is who God is. God, our savior. The God who wants to help you through whatever you're struggling with. And then you need to give. Share from what you have as a token of worship and praise. Worship is always understood as giving. Now, I said it to you, and I'm going to say it again. We are, here in North America, we're rich, every one of us. And here's what Jesus warns us. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. If you and I are going to know Jesus and walk with him and be Christians, then the first thing that you're going to have to understand is that rich people have a hard time getting into heaven. You say, Pastor, what hope have we got in Canada? I'll tell you. Be poor in spirit and give. Give. I don't care who you give to, but just give. Give to the poor, give to those in need, give to your children, give to people at work, Give, bring them a box of donuts tomorrow morning when you go to work, but give. Because understand that when you give, that's when you're most like your God in heaven. When you give, that's when we're most like Christ. Nicholas, our son, is right now in in Israel. He's working in Jerusalem. He's going to be there for a full year, and I don't normally showcase my kids. In fact, almost never have in the last 23 years. But this was, I thought, really um, this was a salient moment where I thought it would be good to share this. Nicholas went over to Israel to give a year of his life to provide. Aid for poor people. He, You see Nicholas there. He's actually in the warehouse, the Bridges for Peace warehouse, and he's distributing food to the very poorest of the poor right there in Jerusalem. And I asked Nicholas, Nicholas, do you want us to get some money together to, to bring you home for Christmas? He goes, no, no, Dad, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay with everybody here. I'm going to continue on with our mission. And... In case you're you're thinking, oh, this is just like another Winnipeg harvest or something, it's it's far from that. This is a truly a religious, a Christian spiritual experience. And we find Nicholas here with his workmate, and they're actually praying over these pellets, asking God to use these gifts of food and drink, and there's some olive oil there and all the staples. And he's and Nicholas is praying as he does every day for every pallet of food they put together for the poor, and he's asking God to use these gifts to bless those who receive them. And everybody in Israel who receives these gifts from Bridges for Peace know that it comes from a Christian organization. It comes from Christians. A Beautiful testimony and a reminder to every one of us what we should be all about and what we should be doing. We've got just another week left until Christmas. And my prayer for you this week is rather than being stressed out and panicky about the season, what you need to do, you need to take a lesson, a few lessons from the shepherds. Poor in spirit, cry out to Jesus. Whatever your situation, just cry out to Jesus. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I need you. And let the Savior minister to you wherever you are and whatever your situation may be. And then like the shepherds, give. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And then give. Because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to be received. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for the lessons that we learned from the shepherds. God, some of us have forgotten that Jesus is not a Savior just once and for all, but he's a Savior for every day. And some of us here today are going through real difficulties. Some of us are, are tempted to despair, tempted to give up, tempted to think that God has forgotten them. But Lord, you're calling us to be poor in spirit and to acknowledge to you our need of you. So Jesus, would you break through the hard crust of our hearts? Break through and touch us in the very deepest parts of our being. Break through the darkness so that light would shine once again in our hearts and that we would know the joy of the Lord that we would have a peace because we hear the angel voice, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. We hear it echoing in our minds right now. And we know that we don't need to be afraid because we have a Savior. And so as we go from this place, may we go as poor people who know that by earthly standards we're rich, but may we go giving and sharing as the people you've called us to be. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Tell the person beside you go give.